Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. 26 years ago, Michael Jordan with the facts. I'm back on his way to showing up at Market Square Arena and shooting 7 for 28. One of my biggest regrets about the Jordan comeback game is that how in the world did I not go? I think tickets were going for a little around, like around a hundred bucks, 150 bucks. I would have paid 150 bucks as a college kid to sit in the last row at market square to be there for that day. Would have been one of the greatest investments I've ever made in my life. Hashtag didn't buy Bitcoin. Uh, But yeah, when Mike retired the first time I was, a sophomore at the University of Iowa, and the world literally had come to an end. I don't think I went to school for a week. I bought every single Tribune, like 10 copies. I taped everything off ESPN. I felt like I had to recoup as much Jordan stuff as possible because YouTube wasn't a thing. Nothing was a thing other than what you could collect at the time. And then I remember like sometime in the middle of it, early going, that someone said, well, you know, he could come back. And then they started to debate whether he would come back. And I felt so much better because normally when someone dies, they're dead. And it felt like a death at the time. But in this case, it wasn't a death. Even 98 turned out not to be a death as he came back with the Wizards when He retired, and we really, 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 really knew it was over. But I thought they were going to win the championship that year. Didn't realize that his body had changed so much playing baseball. And obviously, we all know that they came up short and lost to Orlando and Horace Grant going nuts on the court. Even, by the way, with a not Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan, if the Bulls hadn't messed that up and let Grant go to Orlando, they would have won it that year, too which whether or not that would mean seven rings for Mike, I guess it would, which would be helpful right now in the moronic LeBron-Mike conversation because LeBron has a real chance, I think, here to get to six and maybe even more. Who knows? But uh, March 18th, 1995, and he was still the greatest basketball player in the game, and they won three more championships, and he knew how to play. But his pure, insane, athletic, fastest guy on the court, that guy was long gone. That guy was pretty much gone by 1990. Like, 
I think maybe peak efficiency and athletic Jordan, you can make an argument, was perhaps their first title year. But the guy who jumped out of the gym and had endless energy and scored 37 a night and had 200 steals and 100 blocks in his third season, that dude was long gone. But the fadeaway, the just ability to get his shot off still no matter what. And, of course, you know, Scotty had turned himself into an unbelievable player by that point, and then it started to go the other way. And Dennis was great his first year, and Tony and, and everybody else was the interchangeable Lukes and Cartwrights and BJs and Kerrs, and they were all – it was a really, 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 really fun time, obviously. Uh, but thinking back to that actual day, I'm back. Unbelievable. They're following him around at the Birdo Center. He's showing up to practice. We learn later on he's going to breakfast with B.J. Armstrong at Baker Square. Didn't understand how people actually went to Baker Square for breakfast. Michael, 26 years ago, we celebrate you on March 18th, 2021. Dwayne City Bulls podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Get that Lawn Mower 3.0 kit. You and your private parts will thank you immensely. Just an unbelievable job that Lawnmower 3.0 kit does. And you get free shipping, 20% off. Use that promo code FANSIDED20, FANSIDED20, and Manscaped will ship you the Lawnmower 3.0 kit. You will thank yourself. Your significant other will thank you. And you will walk around with pride at the ability that you have to get clean. Stay smelling fresh. You'll love the boxers, all of it. Manscaped.com. Don't forget that promo code, FANSIDED20. Without further ado, here comes Coach A, Brian Beto. The Bulls are 2-3 and three since the All-Star break and an ugly loss last night against the Spurs, blowing a huge lead. The Windy City Podcast starts right now. Showtime. No movement, no one coming, no one setting the screen. It's been a theme the last few minutes. Murray makes it a 17 to nothing San Antonio run. One of the greatest comebacks in NBA history. Congratulations to the San Antonio Spurs who made the Bulls look like a junior high basketball team after it looked like they had a victory. Gentlemen, uh, who would like to go first on what we've learned about the Bulls in the second half of the season? Last night was epic. Go ahead, Beto. <laughs> um, honestly, I... I think it just like I was obviously really annoyed, especially after a great start. I was like, man, it's going to be three in a row with this new lineup change, and not just like three in a row, but like three convincing wins in a row. But then you get back, back, brought back down to earth. And my my thought was after you know Mayor letting it marinate a little bit is like, well, this is just what happens when your team's just not that good. Like you're going to look really good for a couple games, and then you're going to completely shit the bet, you know. And I think that's just what happened here. I think that the roster deficiencies were really on display, especially in the second half of that game last night. Um, and I thought it was just quite evident that they just, while they're improving talent and they have some, some young players, it's just, it's just not there yet. And I think like, well, I think Billy Donovan's done a great job and it's easy to second guess like small decisions retroactively, but some of the personnel in there late was a little bit different. He's trying to toe the line between winning games and developing young players. And it's not certainly not an easy thing. So I think there was just a lot that, that went wrong. And it, it was last night was a great exhibit of it. 
or bad exhibit of it, I guess is another way of putting it. Come on, Carm. We, we got to have the Dennis Green. They are who we <laughs> exactly. thought they were. I'll, Come on. They, it's very simple. They, they, they have shown in the first five games they are everything that we talked about after the first half of the season. I don't think there's anything that makes me feel differently from the um, first half to the second half based on what they, what they did. Uh, I don't think what happened in the second half with the Spurs was stunning at all based on when you look at games they've blown through, throughout the season. I think the weaknesses that we've talked about in individual players bared its, or reared its ugly head in the second half. This team has uh, uh, the ability to play really good basketball, and they're going to have some games where they play good. They're going to beat teams that they're better than because Billy Donovan has them playing hard. But when they play good teams, uh, this is what we're going to see a lot of times, um, unfortunately, through the season. And that's why, you know, as as you said, you've never talked about them being anything more than a playing team. They're competing for the ninth, eighth, ninth, tenth spot in the East at best. 18 and 21 at podcast taping. They are a game back of the New York Knicks for the eight spot. And of course, uh, but the seven and the six are both 20 and 20, the Hawks and the Celtics. Uh, and then, I mean, does anybody really think the Hornets are going to be anything uh, more than a 500 team at best? They're 20 and 19. So it's still wide open, which is what's annoying about last night. On the other side of the coin. Yes, I agree. They are what we thought they were, but I'm watching the post game last night. Kendall Gill, Jason Goff, uh, Will Purdue doing a great job. Will wasn't on last night. Kendall is just killing Markinen on you've got to go down and play in the post. And I think everyone agrees on this podcast that it would be sweet if he could. But Billy Donovan's not an idiot. If he could do it down there, they'd throw they'd force him to go down there. He's just not capable of doing it. Am I missing something? No, that's the that's the problem. I thought Kendall Gill last night was terrific because um, I thought there were two issues in the game. First being with the bench, when they pressed the Bulls, the Bulls struggled to have finishers out there on the court. And I think if going to Beto's point about any kind of decisions, if you were going to complain about anything, I probably would have said with the press going on and the way the game was being played, I would have rather seen Denzel Valentine in there than Archie Diacono. He probably went with Archie Diacono thinking, okay, two point guards. They fell a little bit short in finishers, and that's kind of the, the way Denzel finishes. Denzel likes playing in the open court. So I think if there was anything from the bench standpoint, that could have helped them. Denzel could have helped them. But the second part of it is they were defending the perimeter so hard and had the, the players, they had the personnel to make things very hard on Zach Levine. They defended the one play that we've talked about. The Bulls have had a tremendous amount of success with is the Zach Levine, Thaddeus Young pick and roll. And they were able to defend that. And after that, the Bulls had no answer. And that's where Kendall Gill is a hundred percent, right? You have to have a second option to go to. And it should have been marketing on a six foot five Keldon Johnson. And are you wrong? Can he maybe not do it? I don't know. But we're not seeing him even attempting to do that. And isn't that something when you talk about development and are we going to pay Lowry Market and do we want him to be part of the team? Isn't that something we got to 
we got to start putting forward now. So I do think that Billy Donovan is going to take a look at that. And um, in the future, I, I certainly hope that marketing being guarded by a six foot five wing is going to go inside a little bit. Yeah. I, I mean, I think we're all on the same page when it comes to, to marketing. The one other piece of color I would add is what to me makes it even maybe even more frustrating and magnifies it is that the night before he probably had the dunk of the night in the entire NBA. True. And that's not necessarily him posting up, but like it showed that aggressiveness and willingness to go inside and he postered someone. They literally Stacey King drew up a poster during the broadcast. It was vicious. And so it's like, why can't, even though that's not a post move per se, or trying to back someone down, like, why can't he just do that a little bit more consistency? I don't know if it's a schematic thing, but really that's just, I think David's like last point hits it right on the head of when that, when the team is defending that Zach and Thad pick and roll situation, that little two man game, they have to have someone step up and marketing needs to be that guy for the bulls to win more games than not the rest of the year. And he just hasn't been able to do so with any sort of consistency. So, all right, we've all punted on Lowry Markkinen. We're all hoping that at the end of the year he's he's in another land and we'll see what our tourists and company think of, of Lowry. But you would think, by the way, wouldn't you just, if you were Lowry Markkinen with any basketball grit, you'd see a 6'5 defender on you and you would just run yourself to the post and be screaming for the basketball? Agreed. That goes back to the point of um, when we were talking about these players and giving them grades. And I talked about what do you like about Lowry's game? I said, if, if I'm his agent, I'm telling him, you have to make a choice here. If you don't pick one of these two lanes, either you better be one of these guys who goes off the dribble and can beat people like Dirk Nowitzki at 6'10", at 7' foot and can beat, beat bigger players off the dribble, or you have to develop a post game to take advantage of smaller players. If he does not improve in one of those two aspects – is there ever going to be a game that he's going to score more than 10 to 14 points where he doesn't have a shooter's night? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. How's it going to happen for you, bro? It's not. So it's for your own self preservation. I don't know if that's maybe a little bit over the top, but it's for your own. <laughs> it's, I like that though. It, it, well, it's, it's for your own excelling in the league. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to, he's not going to get booted out of the league and, I talked to Adam Morrison this week, who uh, is on the podcast this week, and he's fin- just a, was a phenomenal conversation. But you know, that's a guy that came in and he was a uh, n- you know number two over three overall pick, excuse me, number three the overall Bobcats. for the Bobcats, Jordan's <laughs> first ever pick, and you know just uh, was a second team All Rookie his first year, then tore his ACL and got even slower, and uh, you know he ended up on the bench for a couple of Lakers titles teams. So, um, you know, I, I'm not saying that that's going to happen to Lowry, but he's he, but being a guy who's starting and getting a ton of minutes could go away for him, and that wouldn't be any fun. So he's he's got to evolve his game. Speaking of a guy whose games needs to evolve, you know, the Bulls bench Wendell Carter Jr. and Kobe White this week. Uh, but so Wendell, when he gets on the court, he looks like he's the greatest player ever coming off the bench. Oh, okay, Wendell's fired up, loves his new spot. And then he just all of a sudden gets in his head again. 
mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the answer is with with Wendell, but it, it's uh, it's a little disheartening. And now now the conversation is turning. Well, now that Wendell and Kobe are coming off the bench, now we might have bench problems because we're not getting the boost from Sato and Thaddeus like we were getting, and that's just a conversation that no one wants to have. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I've been on the hype to start Sato train because the Bulls have gotten off to just horrific starts and they've gotten off to great starts the last three nights. And I I think the offense just flows better. So when we get in those situations where they're, they're not scoring or shooting well, which actually, even when they were up big last night, they weren't shooting well from three. So it wasn't like they were just hitting a barrage of threes and it caught up to them. But the offense just flowed better, and it just avoids those stagnant possessions if they're guarding the, the Zach and Thad pick and roll. And but to your point, like they just didn't get a lot from the from the bench. Um, I, Kobe did fine at times uh, last night, but um, Wendell, to your point, like it's it's such a weird situation because he's so self aware that it is a mental issue with him. It seems like like he like acknowledges that he's in his own head, but it's like, can he, can he fix it for more than like five minutes at a time? Because you're right. He looks like there was in the first half last night where I, I literally thought of the conversation where it was like, you want to see more of an aggressive type finisher and Wendell in the second half. And he had a very aggressive take off the dribble, power dribble, squared his shoulders, went up and finished strongly. And I was like, all right, here we go. And then two quarters later, it's completely Jekyll and Hyde with him. So um, I don't know. It's just, all of those frustrations that we've had and we've seen just seem to, to come back all at once. You know, when you, when you give up a 23-point lead and have it turn into a disaster last night, it, it's, it's like a pickle jar, right? If there's one hole in the pickle jar, you cover up the pickle jar. But when the pickle jar has exploded, that's when things like this happen. So last night, everything went wrong. Every player, we saw the weakness of every player <laughs> within that 23-point comeback, and it, they all just came together. That's not going to happen that often. It happens here and there. That's why there are blowouts. Even good teams sometimes get blown out because something like that happens, whether it's fatigue, just an off night, whatever it is. But the, the, the problem with Wendell that I would say for long-term, the biggest concern for Wendell long-term is every big player succeeds very well against the Bulls. And that's yeah. uh, that's a really damning thing. That it doesn't matter. The night before they played Oklahoma City, that kid Moses, I don't remember the guy's name, but the guy, he had 20 points. He had a career high. You know. Then last night, Polo had 20 points, 16 rebounds. So Carter is clearly not doing enough to deter centers. He's also struggled in the pick and roll coverage, and he doesn't look like a power forward because he doesn't have a game that, that transcends 12 to 15 feet. And even his game in 12 to 15 feet is average. So unfortunately of the three players, you know, I think Kobe white is, is, I don't know if Kobe white's going to end up being a bust. He may never fulfill a high end player, but I think Kobe white's going to have a very strong role within basketball you could see him becoming Jordan Clarkson down the road sometimes those yep. players take a little time Markin is going to at least be a shooter will he certainly again not live up to the expectations that we had when we drafted him and also certainly from his rookie year but Wendell Carter is the one player who's trending on potentially being a bust 
you know, being yeah, a guy I, sorry, sorry, Carmen. I want to interject because I just have a question yeah. for for both uh, about Wendell, and I I totally agree on like the the Kobe White uh, marketing stuff. But for for Wendell, would you? I'm thinking about you know the way the game's gone. In this conversations they had about someone like Jaleel Okafor, different different players. But if Carter comes out, I'm curious what you think. 10, 15, you can go back 20 years ago and he's more of a traditional power forward, do you think he would be more successful for what his game is? And do you think he's just kind of a victim of his, the time, or is that not relevant? Because I, I always think I, think he, I could think he'd be at the very least be like a, a solid P.J. Brown or Joe Smith or something like that. Of and course. right now, it just does, those guys don't necessarily fit in, in this style NBA. Go ahead, David. Yeah, of course he he would have been way more successful because he would have been guarding guys six eight to six ten. His his trouble is guarding these guys. He's not as big. He's not as big, I think, as people felt he was. If that makes sense, watching him in college, mm-hmm. because there's just if you're a really good freshman in college and you're big, you're out of you're out of the game. So there's just not that many players in college that are big big men. So we. I think sometimes think some of these guys coming to the NBA game are bigger than they are. And I think that's what's hurt Carter is he's really not that big. And so he's kind of a tweener. He's, he's not that big to be guarding these really high end centers, but he doesn't have, like you said, a power forward game in today's, you know, you want Patrick Williams playing power forward. You know, he doesn't have a Patrick. He doesn't have a power forward game right now. I'm going to bring everything back to Adam Morrison. If Adam Morrison played now, he'd be way better in today's league. Yeah, agreed. Wendell Wendell Carter Jr. would be way better if he was taking Morrison's spot on the Bobcats back then. (laughs) 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 That's a great finisher right there. I mean, because, look, you're strong enough as a – like, I watch him, like, and I guess we all do – you're big enough down there. You can do it. But uh, you're right, Beto, that it, it just – and Coach A, I guess it just doesn't fit as well now. But it's not like he doesn't have the skill set to – I don't know. I just feel like the guy shouldn't be so up and down seemingly with his confidence because yeah. there's just many times where he makes plays like, wow, dude, that was a sweet – jump hook in the lane after missing a shot and, and staying with it and powering your way and you're you're able to you know you've got the length to finish like I don't I mean I just I don't understand the the the, the confidence thing with him I I, we can't, I know we're not here to do a psychological breakdown but it feels a little bizarre uh, that that part they of do it, one of us I think they, they, I would love it <laughs> and and by the way uh, just to because so, we don't leave any loose ends here on Duane City Bulls podcast you were calling out Moses Brown from the Oklahoma Sorry, City Thunder, who uh, had a, had a stint in the G League. He's 21 years old. I'm doing a deep dive on Moses Brown as we speak. Born in New York City to Malcolm Brown and Wanda Williams, uh, the, which is very interesting. And he uh, started his career with the, uh, dra- the Portland Trailblazers, undrafted in 2019, and now with your Thunder, hashtag Moses Brown. Can't Did he have how many points? Didn't he, didn't he have a career high against the Bulls, like 21 or something like that? He had a big game. He, Moses Brown in 30 minutes against the Bulls had 20 points, which appears, yes, on, on a very brief view of Moses Brown's career, appears to be a, a, uh, a career high. 
No, he was a disaster defensively as far as guarding in the pick and roll. So don't want to make it sound like, oh, he had this great game. I'm just saying that Wendell does not, he doesn't give you a presence at the basket that I think we thought he might. Every night, a big center is killing the Bulls. Yep. He's not the rim protector that some people thought he might have been billed at coming out of college. I, I just want to say, if you yeah. go over to NBC Sports and listen to their Bulls podcast or the Zillion Bulls podcast or on their Lockdown Bulls, no one is is breaking down Moses Brown's uh, history <laughs> slash Wendell Carter's inability to guard Moses Brown the way this podcast has just Exclusive done Exclusive content here. <laughs> Exclusive. <laughs> I mean, if this is not a marketing tool, I don't know what is. Um, they're also not bringing up T.J. Brown and Joe Smith, I'll tell you that much. That, that's that, that's true, too. Uh, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or bad thing. but Are, are we done with Kobe White for this particular podcast? Like, he's just going to live an up-and-down career, and he's probably – I don't want to be over the top with Kobe White because I still think he can – be a starter in this league, but like he's probably a third guard. Like that's what he's going to be down the line. Is that is that too is that too harsh? Is there anything else we need to add on Kobe right now? Because I'm 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 in a I'm in the nadir of my Kobe White uh, optimism at this very moment. Yeah, I'm not giving up on Kobe. I still say it's too early to know exactly where he is. He's he's in his first year really playing in this kind of responsibility role. Uh, he's still only 21, 22 years old. He's got quickness. He can really shoot the ball. He's got to improve in some areas. And I don't think that right now you can say, all right, he, he's he's beyond improvement. Like In comparison to Jordan Clarkson, who would have thought Jordan Clarkson would be up for a six-man of the year with the Utah Jazz this year? And he's probably now, what, six, seven years in the league. So the the sad part is, as you know, one of the hardest parts of the whole NBA evaluating today is you take these guys out of college and after one year, and then by your fourth year, you got to make a long-term decision on them. And that's the, that's the biggest challenge that you have in drafting players today is that Kobe White is a junior in college right now. And next year, you almost have to make a decision as to, is this guy a future year franchise, a top player, or is he just going to be an average player? And that's why guys like Jordan Clarkson bounce through three, four teams. And then eventually after six, seven years, they're studs and everybody wants them. Yeah. I, I've been trying to be more patient. Um, I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago um, and David even talked to, him. he's going to, give, you know, give him some time. He's, he's young. And I, I agree. And like, you've even started to I, see like last night, they even called it out. Like he had a couple floaters, right? Like, he, he can add that to his game. He's a great shooter, especially off the catch and shoot. And maybe he can finish to the rim at 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, he's, he's bigger than most people think he is. And he'll get better probably in those areas. I, now, I think like like anything in sports and life, whatever, I think people get too extreme or one way or the other. So I think there's a way to, like, say, I don't think he's – maybe the Bulls point guard of the future without saying he's a bust. He could still be a really good player on a good basketball team and a contending team like Jordan Clarkson is for the jazz. And I think that comparison along with like a Lou Williams, um, the Bulls haven't had someone like this too much. I think the closest is like a, a Ben Gordon where yeah, he could really light it up in a, in a, in a microwave really quick. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I think I really like his, 
skill set, um, but we'll see. And he's still going to continue to get better. And I think like there are some areas where he's maybe starting to, at least with the basketball scoring, it's just the facilitating. I'm curious if we'll ever, ever get there. But more than Carter's. Can we, can we, can we have like one moment of just dream dreaming of John Paxson and Gar Foreman being really good at their job? Like have just one quick moment and go back to them drafting Shea Gilgis Alexander instead of Wendell Carter. Oh, and right now yeah. we're talking about a team that we're really excited about for the next seven to 10 years. I mean, one missed decision could have totally changed and impacted this franchise. Great player. Just a great, I love, I love watching SGA gives them that second score that we literally were talking about given the position than Lori, but bails out. Levine the first score is not working. Mi- and maybe even a first yeah. score, like maybe your best player. Like I love Zach Levine, but in three years, I, or even in a year or two years, I wouldn't be surprised if we think Shea is a better player than Zach Levine. Better. Yeah. Uh, you, Carmen, you, what do you, you think, you, you man? Just, are you dreaming I, now? I, are you dreaming now? What do you What do you think? Well, now? no. Be, uh, this This conversation took me into a, a deep dark dive of our text chain this week, and how Beto fell in love with Trenton Hassel, and. <laughs> And, and, and it was irrational, and I admit it. And, it wasn't and, like based on anything tangible. I just liked watching number twenty-two. It, it, it took me into a Jerry <laughs> Krause rant of like, if you go through his late-round picks, literally every time the next pick was a great player, and the Bulls picked like Mark Randall, or in this case, they picked Trent Hassel, and the next pick was Gilbert Arenas. It wasn't like ten picks yeah. later, like, oh sweet, they took Hassel. We'll take Gilbert. Uh, Remember I, when they had three consecutive second-round uh, picks? And it was like all three big college name guys. It was Khalid Alamine. What year was AJ that? AJ Guyton. It had to have been what ninety nine, two thousand. Jake Boskel, two oh. UConn guys, and a uh, AJ Guyton. Shout out to Peoria guy right there. Let's but see. okay, so Hassel was was oh one. Then next pick was Arenas. Oh two thousand was okay. So they took AJ Guyton, Jake Voskel, and Khalid Alamine. Yes. All right. Now those three in a row. Those guys wasn't it three consecutive picks? Like literally three in a row. Yeah, and thirty-two, thirty-three, and thirty-four. Now that year, <laughs> to to Jerry's slight credit, slight. It wasn't well. There was no one. No, nah, that's not true. That's not true. Eddie House played twelve thousand NBA minutes, which is more than those shoot it. Th- more than those three combined. Eduardo Nahara played eleven thousand two hundred, and then Michael Red had twenty thousand NBA minutes uh, and was like a legit player. Yeah. So that's a legit player right there. Yeah, right. right. So yeah. so there, just 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 I I I don't want to go into a Jerry Krause deep dive, but you know everyone credits him. Hey, you picked Charles Ugly, obscure power. Yeah, the obscure power forward in that draft was Carl Malone. He was picked three picks later. God, I hate him. Um, <laughs> This is like the sequel to the Last Dance right now. We didn't get enough Jerry Cross hate in those ten episodes. Let's uh, let's fire more off here. I'm not saying you're wrong, <laughs> by the way. Uh, there's there's a there's there's a coach that I hated as a player that I'm cheering for him as a coach, and that's Patrick Ewing. Oh, for I'm sure. I'm cheering for Patrick yep. Ewing as a coach. Obviously, we hated him as a player with the Knicks. I think in large part, I don't understand why. And maybe part of this is I'm very close to Ed Pickney, who was an assistant with the Bulls and a longtime NBA coach, coach of Villanova, and has not been given a head coaching opportunity. And I think Ed Pickney would be an amazing, I think he'd be an amazing NBA coach. But 
it just seems like big men never get the opportunities to be head coaches. It's like we decided a bunch of short white guys should all be the coaches. And I'm just so happy that there's a, you know, just so happy to see him have some success and maybe some, some athletic directors and NBA teams will say, all right, you know what? Uh, After Juwan Howard now having success, Patrick Ewing has success. Let's let's hire some big men as coaches as well. And maybe that'll take it. away. It's kind of like catchers in baseball, right? Everyone assumes, oh, you're yeah. a catcher? You're good to be a good manager. But, so, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. I like I, all those, like, 90s guys, I think I, like, love now. Like, it was like I hated all them then, but now I root for them. The only one would be is if, like, John Starks became a coach. I still would root against him. But, like, whoa, whoa, Ewing, whoa. some of those other guys, I, I would definitely root for. Gary Payton, anyway. Beto, what did you just do? Did you just – did you just – Go after my guy, John Starks. Do you not know my history? I don't. No, this is like an incredible segue, though, out of nowhere. I swear I don't know whatever David's about to tell us. You you don't know that my my coaching in the pros was with the Westchester Wildfire while John Starks was the head coach. I was the assistant coach and general manager. No way. My wedding. John Starks was in my was at my wedding. John Starks, (laughs) I could call. I could speed dial right now. We could. I could call John Starks right now, and we'd have him on the phone. Oh, we got to do and that. We t- and you tell people this because you're not ashamed? You I'm just kidding. So, uh, John, I, I will just tell you guys this. John Starks is one of the best guys out there. And, you know, when the last dance went on, I called. I got him on Kaplan's show because of my relationship with Kaplan. I said, hey, look, I, I know I can get you John Starks. And so I had John Starks on Cap's show, and everybody loved it. He's the best guy. He's one of the best guys ever. It's a funny story of how I ended up there. I was coaching at Wisconsin Stevens Point Division Three, and really was headed to becoming a Division Three head coach. The head coach that I was working for was Jack Bennett, who is Tony Bennett's uncle, Dick Bennett's brother. So I was for sure going to have a pretty good opportunity at Division Three level to move on and have a pretty good job. But I had a, a guy that bought a professional team and wanted me to become the assistant coach and general manager. Um, and John Starks was going to be the head coach. And the team was out in New York. I wasn't really thinking that I was going to do it, but I flew out there, had dinner with John Starks, and uh, the guy's name was Gary Lieberman. And it was kind of surreal to be there with John Starks, who we hated so much all those years. Go to the Knicks game. The guy who bought this team had second-row seats behind the celebrities. His seats were right next to... Mike Breen and Walt Frazier. I sat behind Magic Johnson, Beyonce, um, Eli Manning. Like anytime I went to the game, I sat behind these incredible celebrities and go to the game with John Starks. And this is probably three years removed after he retired because it's 2001, I believe. And the place went crazy. Him walking in, fans just went absolutely bonkers. When they put him up on the big screen that he was at the game, the whole place was standing applause. It was the loudest the place had been the entire night. And I said, I got to try it. And so I worked with him for two years. And he was a really good coach. He was actually a great coach. I learned as much from him in three months as I learned in 10 years of college basketball as far as X's and O's. Uh, yeah. He could have been a great coach. In, he could be a great coach in the NBA, but he loves to golf. <laughs> he, he's, he's just, he wants to, he's a, he's a golfer. He would, we would have a game in Dodge City. He would get up at 5 in the morning and golf from 5.30 to 6 o'clock and meet us at the game. 
That's awesome. <laughs> you know, that's, like that's, he was, he, he, he would, he would, he would golf 54 holes and then coach the game that night. And could you imagine if you lived in Dodge City, Kansas, and you show up and here's, hey, do you mind uh, doing a foursome with this guy? <laughs> he he, he uh, was he was on. I, I had him on a podcast uh, within the year. He was promoting his. I think his his. It was a golf outing that he has for the John Starks Foundation, yeah. and he was awesome. Yeah. Beto, I think you got to go, so we're gonna have to wrap this thing. But John Starks is coming on this podcast, David Edelman. We're gonna have to hold you, yeah. there, Coach A. We, well, now I gotta get a Bulls number nine jersey, not a Ron Harper jersey, a John Starks Bulls jersey from the '99 campaign. It's just gotta happen now. Yeah, we'll have to. We'll have to when the mix and the Bulls play, or late in the season when it's playoff time, whatever. We'll have to definitely uh, make that call. I definitely said to him, you know that they have a mural of the dunk up in Madison Square Garden, and when I visited and saw it, I wanted to write under it. You know, you lost this series, right? <laughs> it was '93. Was that the year that yeah. dunk happened? I mean, that's yes. one of the most vicious dunks ever, even against the Bulls. Game two, <laughs> game two, '93. Ewing pushed Armstrong, should have been a foul. Things shouldn't have counted, but yes. That's... <laughs> you sound like a jazz fan oh. in '98. Yeah, game six, '98. Michael pushed off Russell, shouldn't have counted. By the way, happy anniversary, Michael. By the way, twenty-six years to the day. Oh, uh, we just should have done the, the best facts that. of all time. We should have just done the podcast. Well, as on someone, that. as someone who is trying to get people to come to the Westchester Wildfire Games, that dunk was on a loop a million times <laughs> in my life. I see it a million. That was that was how we tried to sell people to come to the games. Hey, you're going to watch this guy coach now. So, like, literally, I've watched, I've seen that dunk a million times, um, and it's 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 great anytime I see it. <laughs> greatest because I, I love the guy greatest day in the history of sports march 18th 1995 gentlemen it's been a pleasure john starks we love you can't wait to talk to you and uh <laughs> head up bulls fans we got this it felt good good competition playing against uh you know indiana's playing good as you know and the bulls were playing good until i came back <laughs> When you love something for so long, I mean, when you when you try to walk away from it, I think at the time that I walked away from it, I probably needed it, you know, mentally more so than anything. But uh, I, I really truly missed the game. Can't believe he took 28 shots for his first game back. Jeez, I haven't taken 28 shots all year. If I were a, a two-god in the league, I would start worrying because uh, the Tasmanian devil is back. Starks! Yes! What a move by Starks who was able to sky to the basket. The Bulls call for time. behind his back to Hassel and a foul on Vince Carter. Oh, that's the best I've seen Trenton Hassel play in a long time. Of course, he has not played very much in the last couple of years as a regular rotation player. 
Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 